The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Sheltered from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. The words in the Hebrew language cried out to the Lord for help. Literally translated, they shrieked, they screamed to the Lord for help. They were at the end of themselves. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Some of you have a hard time praying. Most of you have a hard time praying. And many times you feel like your prayers don't pierce the ceiling above. You may have an emotional response. You may have a sentimental idea about your relationship with Jesus. But bottom line, you have a very comfortable life. And you find it difficult to pray. Some of you have written to me and said, Pastor, I am so miserable. I can't seem to get through to God. There are reasons for that. We need to identify today those reasons. For some reason, I'm being told that there is no audio. Uh, Let me check and make certain where we're at. I am recording... You're right, there's no audio going out. Let me try to quickly find the solution. I know we have audio going out over the radio because the BrickLink tells me we have audio going out. I'm not sure what the problem is. And I don't know how to fix it. Um, Do I have audio for radio? Okay, so people who are listening to YouTube, you can go directly to uh, WAVA 780 AM and click on their listen button, and you will hear the broadcast live. And hopefully, we're going to find what the problem is and be able to post it later. It will be up this evening. I am desperately concerned that you hear this broadcast today. I don't know what the problem is.
Brother Ed, can you come remotely on YouTube and see if you can find what the problem is? We just set up a remote so that it has that access to the computer. Well, let me continue. We have live audio for radio, and you can listen live if you go to WAVA 780 AM. Just Google it. It will come up, and you can listen live at 7.80 a.m. Just click the listen button on the webpage for WAVA 7.80 a.m. WAVA-AM.com Okay, thank you to our producer for sharing that. I'm coming to you out of the book of Judges. The Israelites are crying to the Lord. They are shrieking to the Lord. They are screaming in their anguish and in their pain. The Lord sends them a prophet. I want to read for you what the prophet has to say. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. And I want to tell you again, the Hebrew word being used here for listened You'll find in the King James Version, it will say, you have, you have not obeyed me. The NIV is more accurate in their translation with, you have not listened to me, but there is an element, an element that is missing. And that element is, you have not listened with intelligence. I want you today to listen with intelligence to what the Spirit of God wants to say to you. After this prophet came and rebuked them, the angel of the Lord came, and Lord is capitalized because it is the belief of all biblical scholars, that we are dealing here with the incarnate Jesus Christ. He came and sat down under the oak as he watched Gideon work. Gideon listens as the angel says to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now the name Gideon means warrior. But the Lord Jesus adds, mighty warrior. And Gideon explodes. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are the wonders? Or where are the answers to our prayers? Why has God left us? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And then Gideon says, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. Lord, what can I do? How can I help? This is impossible. The Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Well, give me a sign. If this is really you speaking, give me a sign. Let me bring an offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. 
But then Gideon did not bring an offering before the Lord. Instead, he went in and fixed a wonderful meal, not an offering. He didn't bring a goat. He didn't bring a lamb and slay that animal and let the blood flow on an altar and let the Lord deal with an offering. That's not what he did. Instead, he brought what he would bring to someone he was entertaining. He prepared the meat by cooking it. He made broth. He brought unleavened bread. He brought a a meal to entertain a stranger. He does not believe that this is God speaking to him. Now, probably this took two or three hours to prepare. And in the meantime, the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, sat outside on a rock. Incredible. Amazing. When he brought the food out, prepared as a meal for this stranger, the angel of the Lord told him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock, pour out the broth, in other words, pour the broth on this sacrifice, and then he touched it with the tip of his staff, and fire flamed. And now Gideon knows he's dealing with God. And he says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's afraid he's going to die. The Lord says to him, peace, you're safe. You're okay. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon responds by immediately down there in the valley, building an altar to the Lord. And he offers there a bull, one of his father's bulls. Well, that night, the Lord comes to him once more in speaking. And we find this in verse 25, and this is vital for you to understand. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of the height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Now, what's happening here? The Lord wants to bring revival to Israel. He wants to restore Israel. Now, let's be real. The church in America has done evil before the eyes of the Lord. The church is filled with sexual uncleanness, The church is filled with ambition and worldly love. The church has become in America an entertainment center. The church has become in America an object of scorn for the pagans. Why? Because we have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. We have not walked in holiness before God. We have believed the lie that you can continue to sin and you're saved. We have believed the lie that you cannot lose your salvation. And the response of the American church has been to build great mansions for themselves, great edifices where they gather together all of the brush they can to build up their own reputation, to build their great business. And God is angry. And he is about to release his judgments upon the American church and the Western church to any church people 
who walk in arrogance before God, who commit the same sins that Sodom and Gomorrah committed, who are Sodomites. I've heard prominent pastors say, whatever you want to do in the bedroom with your wife and your husband, that's your privilege. You can do it. You can't do any wrong there. Wrong. A husband and wife can be utterly perverse before God. They can become sodomites, committing wickedness before God with one another, degrading one another. Now, I've already spoken of this. I'm not going to describe it in detail, except to say that there is in Baal worship or Baal worship, there is every kind of uncleanness. Baal was the god of money, of prosperity, of successful crops. He is the god of of fire, of rain, of lightning. He is the God of illicit sexual activity. Now, with prosperity, with an easy lifestyle, with a godless lifestyle, as we now see exhibited in the American church, where men are worshiping money, and sports, where men are worshiping their wives, their children, their animals, their recreation, where we see wives and husbands coming together in utter uncleanness before God with sodomy, with oral sex. We see husbands and wives coming together, walking in perversion, going out and buying whatever they want to buy, acting as though they were God. They are in charge of their life. They are worshiping at the altar of Baal. And then beside the altar of Baal is the Asherah pole. And the Asherah pole was a phallic symbol, the male sex organ. And God says, cut it down. Stop your sexual uncleanness. Stop worshiping in the flesh and in the ambition of your heart for money and wealth and a comfortable life. Stop. Now, let me say this to you very frankly. If you have a hard time praying, if prayer does not easily flow from your heart, it is because you have idols in your heart. People say to me, Pastor, why won't God answer my prayer and cast this demon out? Why can't I gain the victory over this this plague that's on my life? This addiction that controls me. Because you have idols before Almighty God. And those idols have to be identified. They have to be recognized. And they have to be cast out. Those idols are unclean. If the idols are torn down, prayer will flow from your heart as water from a spring. And you will be able to pray without ceasing.
But if you go long periods of time and you only have your formal prayer, if constantly through the day your heart is not reaching out to the Lord in praise and worship, if you are not constantly reaching out and asking for his direction and his will, it is because you have idols in your heart. I didn't understand this for many years, and we would come together as church, and people would not pray. There would be long periods of silence without any crying out to God. I know why. It's because there are idols in the heart. And idols in the heart close the mouth. So we cannot pray. Prayer is literally the breath of the soul. If there is not a constant breathing, your body will die. You will be suffocated. Likewise, if you do not have the constant breathing of your soul to God in prayer, you are suffocating spiritually and you may already be dead. Now I want to share some lessons that we must learn from Gideon. Gideon builds an altar to God, but he builds it down in the valley. In other words, he wants to be safe. He doesn't He doesn't want to be identified. He doesn't want to be identified as a follower of the Lord God of heaven. He's afraid of his family. He's afraid of the Midianites. Now, please. He's in the midst of a Baal-worshipping culture. So the Lord says to him, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Yes. Cut down the idol. It was Thursday night this past week. I was meditating on this passage of scripture. And the Lord spoke. I've not heard him speak like this before. He spoke in a savage voice. And he said, tear down that idol. I went to sleep that night. I was awakened many times through the night, and every time I was awakened, the Lord again spoke and said, Tear down that idol. It was a command, a savage command. Tear down that idol. And then he said, Now build a proper kind of altar to the Lord on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon went at night and tore down the family altar, town's altar. He cut down the Asherah pole, the phallic symbol, the pride of man. And then he built an altar on that height. But because it was night, people from the village looking up probably imagined that he was establishing an altar to Baal. There was not a clean, clear distinction. But the next morning, townspeople, the men, went up to worship. And they saw that the altar of Baal had been torn down. And the men of the town were very angry. I'll never forget 
I was preaching in an Anglican church. And in the course of the sermon, I said to the men, you must turn off your love of football because it is leading you away from Jesus and you will not be able to read the scriptures and pray when you are worshiping at the altar of the football team of your choice. They started laughing. They scorned me. They laughed. And within a day or so, a number of these men had gone to the bishop of the Anglican Church, and he ordered that the meetings be closed and that the prayer chapel no longer rent space from the Anglican Church. They were very offended that I told them to tear down their idols. Now, please, Joash, the father of Gideon, said, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is God, he can defend himself with someone breaking down his altar. Hope you hear me today. If you want Jesus and you want your prayers answered, you're going to have to identify every idol in your life. And you're going to have to tear them down. You cannot pray and have an idol against the Lord. So let's talk about what some of those idols might be. The greatest idol that we all have to deal with is the idol of self-worship. The idol of self-worship. We're determined to have our lifestyle and have things our way to be comfortable, to be fat and well-fed, yea, to even overeat. We are determined that we are in charge of our own lives, that we will make our own decisions, thank you very much. And if someone dare speaks against what we love, we cut them off. We will have what we desire. It's obvious, this self-love, this self-worship is an idol before Almighty God. And if I want to be able to pray, I'm going to have to lay myself, Romans 12, on that altar of burnt offering and utterly give myself up to God. Look carefully at Romans, the sixth chapter. There is a crucifixion that we must go through. There's a dying to self. We must be made holy. And worshiping at the idol of yourself, you will never be able to pray. Some of you are so full of your own thoughts, of your own imaginations. You're so full of your own beliefs and your own religion that when you talk with me, I can't get a word in edgewise. You just want to rant. And some of you get very angry with me when I stop you and say, stop, stop, stop. Don't you understand what you're doing? You are utterly full of yourself. And you get mad at me. We don't like to cut ourselves off. 
we want to be recognized as someone who is very important because we're so important in our own eyes. Now, the Lord will bring misery on a, on a life. He'll bring judgment. He has often in my life. And I have been utterly miserable. And I have had to scream, cry out, shriek to God on my face. And always the first thing the Lord wants me to do is listen to him. Take his promises. Stand on them. And I've often said this, when I stand on a promise of God, God will come and stand on my head. The promise will come and stand on me. Because he wants me to humble my heart, to give up my demands and my accusations, and repent and humble my heart. I'm not entitled. I'm not somebody. I'm not important. Jesus is somebody. Jesus is important. And frankly, when I'm in a very difficult, painful situation, I'm really faced honestly with the question, how important do I think I am? How important do I think I am? Am I willing to endure whatever Jesus calls me to endure? So self is the major idol, but the second major idol in our hearts and our lives is money. And I hear people kind of excuse their lust for money by saying, Oh, pastor, didn't you know that if I get a lot of money and I become very wealthy, I'll give a lot of that money to the church for the work of the gospel? Ah, stop it. Who do you think you're fooling? You don't want money so you can help Jesus with the gospel. If you wanted to help Jesus with the gospel, you would be on your face crying out to God. He's the one who helps his church. He doesn't need your money to help the church. It is a privilege for you to give. It is a privilege for you to participate with God in the work of the gospel, but it doesn't make you somebody. Jesus doesn't need your money. You need to give your money for the sake of the gospel to humble your heart as an evidence that you have given up this idol. Money is such a controller and such a such a power in the hearts of American people. And money is just a tool to accomplish the work of God. But some of you hoard money. You hoard your gold and your silver. You hoard your investments. And you look at those and you say, Oh, I can take my ease because I have enough put away. Do you remember what Jesus said about that? To the man who filled his barn and then built a bigger one? And finally said, oh, now I can take my ease. He said, this night, your soul is required. Now who's going to get everything you've put away? This money idol is so huge. And some of you, some of you don't believe when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And my righteousness and all of these things will be given unto you. It is the Lord who supplies what he desires us to have. And yes, he'll do that through a job. But he sends you to that job as a witness and a testimony for the gospel of Jesus Christ to build an appropriate altar to the Lord on top of the hill. Oh, but pastor, I get fired. Then so be it. Go to another place and light your altar there. I heard the story of the young man. I, I shared this Sunday with the congregation. The young man who talked with his pastor and said, I'm having to go up in the north country as a lumberjack for the summer to earn money for my college. 
pastor said, I'll pray for you. So off the young man went. And when he got home, the pastor immediately inquired of him and said, how did it go? Well, he said, it was wonderful. I had no difficulty at all. They never discovered I was a Christian. He went to work for money. He got money. He denied the Lord Jesus and shamed the name of Jesus. And then he wonders, why isn't Jesus with me? Why can't I pray? Because you have money as an idol. I know many people who have money as an idol. Oh, God expects me to to pay back all of my debts. Really? He won't pay them back? He won't forgive you? He won't cover you? He won't provide for you? Yes, he will, if you'll get rid of your idol of money. And then, of course, there are many other idols that are very popular in today's church. Gourmet food, that new car, that new house that we have to have to boost our ego and create a place of comfortableness for ourselves. I loved it when one couple said, we are, we are building a house and it's costing us quite a lot. But we're building this house in order to hold home meetings. We're building it for the Lord. That's something very different, isn't it? All that I have, all that I have been given, all that I will ever have is for Jesus and for the work of his gospel. It's not for me. I'm a servant, a slave of the Lord Jesus. And he gives to me what he wants me to have. Am I always pleased with what he gives? No, sometimes what he gives me causes me to to groan a little and say, Oh, okay, I submit to you, Jesus. I worship you and I praise you, even if in my heart I'm not happy. I will be happy and I repent of this unbelief and this rebellion in my heart. And then, of course, another idol is reputation. I want people to look upon me and say, This is an important man, a man of of quite some authority. He's right. Listen to him. No, 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 please. I'm nobody. I cast my reputation away to follow Jesus Christ. Nobody has to think I'm somebody. Nobody has to think I'm important. I don't have to impress anybody. I don't have to win anybody to believe that I'm someone worthwhile. I don't come and speak these messages to you in order that you should think I am someone. I fear that many of the things I say cause you heartburn. That's okay. If it cuts across your idol, if it cuts across your idol, then so be it. But we must have a cleaning out of the idols of of reputation, of stuff, of things. I heard about one woman. A child of hers said, Mom loves her dog more than she loves her kids. She would do anything for her dog. 
but she doesn't want to do anything for her children. Yes. Animals today in America are idols. They comfort our hearts so that we don't need to go to Jesus. Deal honestly with the Lord about your pets. About your entertainment. About your lust for things. Now I want to touch on something that is very sensitive. It goes along with what I've been saying. Some of you pray and your prayers are not answered. Why? Well, there are a number of reasons. Unbelief is one of those common reasons that prayers are not answered. But another very common reason for why prayers are not answered is that we want our prayer to be answered simply for our comfort. Pastor James says, you ask, but you ask with wrong motives. You ask so that you can spend it on your pleasure. I'm standing by faith for physical healing that I need. I've had to be very clear. I'm not asking for this healing in my body for my comfort. For discomfort causes me to cry out to the Lord and to trust him and depend upon him. I have to find out if if in the difficulty of this personal physical issue can I praise the Lord can I worship him does this physical difficulty make it hard for me in my spirit to pray if it does it indicates that I have an idol that stands before me and God am I okay to simply Wait before God for the healing of my body. And the answer to that question is, yes, I am. Well, but pastor, don't you need the heal? Yes. And yet you're willing to just wait before God and, and cry out to him? Yes. With no accusations and no anger? Yes. The Lord said he would carry me. Evidently, I'm not going to be able and cannot carry myself. Jesus must carry me, and that is true. He must carry me or I will not be able to go at all. So I trust him to carry me. He said to me, Ray, enter my rest. My question to you, can you rest in the midst of the very painful situation that you find yourself in? If you cannot enter into rest in that situation, it's because you have some idols and expectations in your heart. And those must be dealt with. If you have not been released from those demonic powers that keep oppressing you, It's because there is an idol there that must be identified and must be cast off. But you say, Pastor, I'm so miserable. We'll get over it. Enter the rest of Jesus. And praise and worship and honor the name of Jesus. Even in your dying, honor and praise and worship Jesus and trust him. He is carrying you. Some of you are stricken with cancer or Alzheimer's or some other terminal medical condition. 
Well, we're all going to die. Come on, let's not be sentimental. Let's recognize that we must trust and depend in the name of the Lord, and all expectations have to be laid aside except that which is, Jesus, I trust you, and I will wait upon you, and I will obey you with intelligence. I will listen to you. And I will worship you, Jesus, whether I feel like it or not. So let me say to you again, if you have a difficult time praying, you are dealing with idols in your life. Jesus wants to deliver you of those idols today, but it requires that you confess before God the upset of your heart, the accusations, the judgments of your heart, the bitterness of your spirit. You must confess these things and you must give over to Jesus whatever it is that you're fighting with him about and demanding that he heal you of or restore you of. Some of you are in a very painful and miserable place. I understand that and I know that for me. Can you just lift your hands in that place and honor the name of Jesus and thank and praise and worship him in the midst of the anguish of your situation? Whether it's the loss of a wife or a child, whether it's the loss of your own life, whether it's the loss of money or job, whatever the loss is in the midst of that, lift your hands to Jesus and ask him to deliver you and worship and praise him and know that he loves you. Do not judge your situation by your circumstances. Let Jesus take over. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. Those of you who could not listen on YouTube, it will be posted later today. And trust Jesus. And I pray that it's helpful to you. Oh, Lord, I plead today your mercy for each person who has listened. I plead, Jesus, that you would meet each one where they're at and that every idol would be cast down today, every uncleanness, every sexual immorality, every bitterness of heart, I pray, Lord, that everything that is of darkness would be cast out of our hearts and that we would trust you and worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, and the audio from this message today will be available on our webpage. You can also give online or write to me. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with grace.